0: to the halftime community from the Big Baller himself. That's right. You guys keep it right and take. Keep doing your thing. Because Big Baller brand is in the building. And you know how we gets down. But anyways, y'all do your thing. And we gonna do our thing. Because Big Ballers gotta stick together. Again, shout out to the halftime community. That's right. Big Ballers out, baby. And I'll holla.
1: Welcome into episode 5 of the Halftime Community Podcast, and we are still on Brooklyn Nets watch. That's the big story in the NBA, continues to be the big story in the NBA, as James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets for Jarrett Allen, Karis LeVert, a lot of draft picks, Torian Prince was involved as well. It's still really popular to hate on the Nets, say they don't have enough defense, which at this point they don't. Um, I'm very concerned about their big man depth. They have DeAndre Jordan, but he's not what he was in Los Angeles for the Clippers. And they also have a young rookie named Reggie Perry, who's been playing a lot of minutes for them. I think that was kind of a wait-and-see thing with him. Throw him out there, see if he gives him anything, maybe a little spark. But he just hasn't been it so far. I have been surprised. They have a young um, second-year player named Nicholas Claxton on the bench as well. Kind of built like KD, to be honest. 6'11", very slim But he plays more post. but he can shoot the outside shot as well. Um, He hasn't played at all, so that tells you something right there. The coaching staff does not trust him enough to put him on the floor. He is on the roster, but he has not touched the floor this year for the Nets, so I don't expect anything out of him. Although I did find him an interesting prospect coming out of Maryland. As we sit here today on January 25th, we're kind of waiting for the next shoe to fall for the Nets. Who is going to be that last piece they acquire, either in free agency, grabbing somebody off the street, or are they going to make a trade? The big names right now, uh, both on the Cavaliers, ironically enough, after they just traded Jarrett Allen to the Cavaliers to make the trade work for James Harden. JaVale McGee, he is kind of the odd man out in Cleveland right now, but he is a veteran. He just got a ring with L.A. last year. And then also, Kevin Love, could he be on the move as well? Those are the two names to look out for the the Brooklyn Nets. I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with this Brooklyn Nets squad. They obviously need another big man. They don't want another big man. They need another big man in the rotation, or else they're not going to win the championship, and they'll try to go all-in again for 2022. So wait-and-see. Offensively, it looks great. Defensively, they need some help. But at the end of the day, I think the star power, it just speaks for itself. The Brooklyn Nets are going to be in contention. Bouncing around to the rest of the league, I'm going to keep it pretty short and simple here. I really like what we've seen out of the Charlotte Hornets lately. Gordon Hayward is having a career year rather quietly. A lot of teams improving this year, a lot of improved players, so you'd love to see it. I don't talk a lot about the Lakers, the Sixers, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Celtics, those top-tier teams we know are going to contend for a title. And there is a reason for that. It's just because we know what they are. It's playoffs or bust for them. They're gearing up for the playoffs. That's the most important time of the year for these teams. But stay tuned because we're going to have a quarter mark of the season roundtable discussion on the halftime community podcast. Bringing back some old faces, bringing in some new faces, having that roundtable discussion, seeing who's contenders, seeing who's the pretenders, and seeing where everything shakes out in the league for the rest of the season, as well as discussions on who's the front runners for the end of year awards. But I'm really excited to bring to you all this next conversation I had from one of the members of our community. He goes by the name of Nappy's Roots. He is Napoleon. We talked a lot. About a lot of different things here. We got into the Bulls, the Hawks, the Hornets, the Pistons a little bit. Even though he's technically not a Pistons fan, he is a fan of the game, so he keeps on up on everybody. We also got into a little bit of discussion right at the beginning, off the cuff, about the business and marketing, and could the NBA go back to the bubble? So feel free, check it out. I hope you all enjoy. Harden to the cutter, the layup goes for Reggie Perry. All right, I'm on with Napoleon here um, from the app. I saw his Nick his username on there is Nappy Roots, which is actually for you uh, younger kids. I know we have a lot of younger kids on the app. <laughs> if you've never heard of the musical group Nappy Roots, you should probably go look them up. They got a few good songs I think you' all enjoy. So if you don't know what Nappy Roots is, check that out. Um, Napoleon, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Just tell us about you who you are, what kind of things you're watching in the league this year.
0: All right. Hey, everybody knows. Hey, my name is Napoleon Melton, a.k.a. Nappy's Roots. Um, I got the name because everybody calls me Nappy and I love getting to the root of things that are happening in sports. So Nappy's Roots, perfect combination. So I love everything. I love all things basketball, whether it's high school ball, college ball, NBA, FIBA. I'm I'm just a big fanatic. Uh, So right now I'm following Everything that's COVID-related, so um, seeing how you know team revenues are affected, um, and how trades will be affected by that as well. So you know the teams that have money will trade for money, and the teams that are looking to dump will continue to dump. Uh, Unfortunately, the way that things are right now. Hopefully, we can get back into the stands at. 100% capacity, not at 8% capacity like the Hawks are going to start doing uh, tomorrow. So I love this. I love the business of sports. But, hey, I'm a fan of the game.
1: Yeah, that's actually pretty interesting that you brought that up. Um, There's been a lot of games this first part of the season that have been postponed. And it just makes me wonder, especially while we're all kind of waiting on the vaccine, not everybody can get it right now. Do you think if they keep pushing the – kicking the can down the road, so to speak – you know, just postponing games, eventually it's going to catch up to them? Do you see them going back to a bubble maybe?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, seeing how successful the bubble was last season, it it gave me great concern as to why they didn't implement the bubble this year. Um, they could have done like regional bubbles um, or six bubbles, so a bubble for each division, uh, maybe play all the games within each division. Maybe do kind of a barnstorming effort, kind of like what the Big Three um, typically does every year. But I'm just like, if it's so successful, why go away from it? I mean, I understand they want to get people in the stands and you know they want to recruit some of those re- some of that revenue. But right now, you might have to share all revenue so that all teams can at least get you know a piece of the pie.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. The question was after last season, uh, of course, 2020 was a whole thing in itself. We didn't really have any answers. And it was just like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the salary cap because fans aren't in the stands and teams are losing all this revenue. They eventually patched it together for this season and kind of kept it pretty level for the most part. But it just makes me wonder, moving forward, maybe two, three years from now. Do you see the salary cap kind of going down, kind of fluctuating a little bit as they kind of kick the can down the road with this whole COVID thing a little bit more?
0: No, I mean, I think the biggest thing with um, the salary cap is the escrow account that the uh, NBA players contribute to. Um, And I think they've contributed, what, 25% of the salary into the escrow account. Um, I think probably for the next two or three years, probably keep the salary cap the same at, what, 109, 109 109.5 million. Um, because like this COVID, it's going to affect multiple seasons. So I really don't see the um, revenue um, getting back to pre-COVID levels until 2024, 2025 at the earliest. So, I mean, you have to do some long-term planning um, right now so that you can get back to um, a more stable budget so that the salary cap will increase Um, And then the players don't have to, you know, go into the um, contribute to the escrow account. But again, um, before pre-COVID levels, NBA players did contribute to an escrow account period. So, you know, everybody is contributing and helping towards, um, you know, due to COVID. So, I mean, it's it's a shared effort. Owners, players, staff, you know, everybody got to pitch in and make this thing work
1: yeah it's really interesting um specific owners like for instance i'm going to use the rockets and the nets just because those are kind of top of mind with james harden trade and everything so joe Tsai, the owner for the brooklyn nets he's a big part of the chinese market in alibaba Mm -hmm. which is like amazon for anything overseas pretty much if anybody doesn't know about that so he's got He's not worried about his money right now. Amazon, Mm -hmm. Alibaba, they're doing just fine. He's one of the richest owners there is in in sports overall. So they're kind of a large market team. He's willing to spend, go above the luxury tax. And then on the opposite side, you've got Tillman Fertitta, who is mostly owner of service industries and casinos and those types of things in Houston. So maybe he's he's really feeling COVID right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really hitting him in the pocketbook, and he might even be looking to sell at some point if he can't keep himself afloat. So do you see more of these owners playing a bigger factor in who becomes the kind of the cream of the crop, who can spend money and then who can't in the NBA, as far as owners who are suffering due to COVID and economic restrictions? Uh,
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I think that's a great example, Brooklyn Nets and the uh, Houston Rockets, Um, you know, Houston's in asset accumulation mode. So, um, Ridding themselves of some bad dealings um, in the Maury era. Um, especially like with uh, you know, trading all those picks for, you know, Russell Westbrook and then Chris Paul and, you know, understanding, yeah, James Harden. We're gonna have to get as much as we can for him. And I'm glad that they got all those picks. I mean, I wouldn't have made that trade if I was Brooklyn, because you gave up Key Depp and you know, they're one injury away from being in like danger, crisis mode. And without having like any suitable bigs, like I mean, Brooklyn's gonna have to continue to find a way to spend and you know, stay in within the framework of the salary cap. Um, for Houston, uh, I think they just have to do a good job of spending their money wisely, and they're starting to wise up. Um, but I think the big key. With Houston going, you know, fire sale is the the, the situation that happened between Maury and, you know, China with his uh, controversial comments. Um, You know, we lost out on some key revenue um, because of Maury.
1: Yeah, and it actually ended up being pretty much the worst timing could be because we didn't really see COVID coming at that point. But then. Right after that happened, um, COVID kind of shut everything down and really cut into the salary cap even more, cut into the revenue a- even more. So, yeah, I think with that Maury situation, there'll definitely be a, at least a good long form article written about that someday, at the very least, if not a whole book written about that. Because yeah. people don't really talk about that too much, but that's a lot of money that just went out the door when he started making those comments.
0: Uh, that's going to be good sports marketing class
1: information right there absolutely that's going to be in (laughs) textbooks for sure um so off of business marketing i didn't really expect to talk business and marketing but i'm kind of glad we got into that conversation a little bit um the nba might be moving back to the bubble at some point cutting in revenue and you know everybody wants to have there's a lot of talk about super teams and oh well this isn't fair because brooklyn has three superstars now there's a lot that goes into that behind Mm -hmm. the scenes is your owner willing to spend the money and then there's the luxury tax of course so yes there is a salary cap but teams can spend literally uh, i mean as much as they really want because there's a salary cap and then there's a luxury tax on top of that if they go above that and then there's super luxury tax on top of that if they keep going above that so it's it's not a completely free market economy the salary cap is there to help and help those smaller market teams as well but i mean in all reality uh, an owner like Joe Tsai could spend as much money as he really wanted.
0: I mean, you also look at every team has to spend a minimum amount. So um, that's going to, you know, help some guys make some money, like Ray John Rondo, like who else is going to give them $7.5 million a year for two years, other than the Atlanta Hawks who needed um, a backup point guard for Trey Young, who failed miserably yesterday with Trey Young being injured. Um but uh, I mean the name of the game is as an NBA player is to make the most money that you can. And you know, having this minimum salary floor, team has have to spend. So sometimes they get a good return on in their, in their investment, sometimes they do not.
1: Absolutely. And we saw that with the Detroit Pistons as well this offseason. They kind of went on a little spending spree there on big men. I'm not quite sure what they were thinking there they let Christian Wood go and then they signed Plumley for I think even even more money than it would have took to sign Christian Wood who's younger and had more to prove so I'm not sure what they were doing there but
0: I, I, I don't know here's the thing about Christian Wood um you know he outperformed his contract and yes he was due for a salary increase now um, I looked at calculations I think we talked about this on the halftime app I said Probably around twelve to fourteen million a year for three years, we'll get it done. Houston gave him basically fourteen million a year for three years. And I'm like, Detroit, you decide to go with basin plumley.
1: Plumley uh, and Jeremy our- Grant, yeah.
0: Now they got a great return on Jeremy Grant's investment. I mean, three years, twenty million per. And he's, I mean, right now he's outperforming his contract. What 25 points a game, about five rebounds, about what four assists and a steal. Um they did their homework, and I'm glad that Jeremy Grant is getting a chance to shine, but he just would have looked so much better with Kristen Wood and Isaiah Stewart, who's being a spark plug big off the bench. They gotta get they gotta find themselves a taker for Blake Griffin. Like, yeah.
1: Oh, yes. Blake Griffin, Derek Rose, probably coming off the books, both of them this year, if they don't trade them off before the trade deadline. Um, I'm telling you what, I've been saying this since the draft. They drafted Killian Hayes. He's a 18-year-old out of France. A lot of potential, but Tyrese Hallibur- Halliburton was on the board. Yeah. He was sitting there, just ready for yeah. the take-in. How much better would you feel as a Pistons fan if you had Halliburton, Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant moving forward into next year with Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose off the books? And instead, you're kind of you're wish, waiting and hoping that Killian Hayes can be something.
0: I mean, the, the thing about Tyrese Halliburton, he, he could he's interchangeable with between the one and the two. Um, that's the type of guard that Detroit needs to build around for the future. Now, people Forget about Sadiq Bey from uh, Villanova. Uh, he's going to be a good piece for them, a uh, good, consistent uh, 3 and D. Um, I think best-case best, can, best case scenario, he can be like an OG and a newbie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely valuable in today's NBA, having a guy that can play the wing position, doesn't need all the shots, but can play defense, can shoot a little bit, and can score a little bit when you need it. So we, talk, we got into the Pistons, which you're not even – technically a fan of I mean I know you like the NBA but you're just seeing where this is going. You I like see. the Bulls, Hawks and Hornets mostly. I'm going right. to talk about the Hornets first off because I've been on the LaMelo ball train since before the draft. I think I don't think he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a 25 point per game scorer at any point, but he he just reminds me of a guy that can just change the pace of the game every time he's in there. He's just gonna he's gonna light it up. He's gonna make the game more fun for his players he's playing with and the fans that are watching. What do you think about Lamella Ball so far?
0: This was the absolute best situation um, for the Hornets. Um, they needed a star since Kimball Walker left. Um, I mean, he's been probably the best Hornet that we've had in the past. What 20 years?
1: Yeah, you so had a, to, Gerald so. Wallace. You had Grandmama uh, yeah. before that. Uh, Gerald Wallace definitely was a Bobcat slash Hornet favorite, but I think yeah. yeah, he's definitely a little bit better than Gerald Wallace.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it 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 was just so great to see him fall down uh, to the third pick in the draft, and he's been everything is advertised. Um, let me be the first person to, to apologize to Gordon Hayward. Okay. Um, I ragged on him big time. I mean, getting that four year, $120 million deal, even though I wouldn't have personally done that, I would have done maybe a two or three year deal at probably 25, 30 million a year. But he's been healthy thus far. He's been great as the number one option. Um, I mean, look, kudos to Gordon.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting story for the Hornets. He's averaging, if people aren't paying attention, he's has a career high in points per game this year. He's shooting better percentages. Um, when he came back in the playoffs for the Celtics last year, we saw a little flashes of this. Um, he was definitely in the mid-range. He could score. He wasn't quite explosive, as he's been a little bit more explosive another year coming off that rehab injury. Um, but it just seemed like maybe he didn't have a role in Boston for whatever reason, uh, ever since he got injured, they just kind of plugged Jalen Brown in. He he did really well. Jason Tatum, of course, and he just never really could find his role there. So he bet on himself. You know, he had that option in Boston. He could have easily taken. I think it was something crazy, like 30, 32 million, something like that, yeah. for one year. Instead, he went said, you know, I've got suitors on the open market. I might go to Indy. I might go here. I might go there. Ended up in Charlotte. Uh, still to be seen I know the haters are going to say you know that's still too much money for him but I mean for an all-star guy who just turned 30 I don't think that's too much the end of I mean the last year of his contract may be a little bit of a struggle but you got an all-star in Charlotte that you signed in the free agent market and that doesn't happen a lot
2: right
0: and they have the I mean they have a great three guard rotation in uh Devontae Graham and LaMelo and they all Can interchangeably play off each other. Um, But eventually, uh, Devontae Graham, I think he's going to be the odd man out eventually. I mean, when you have a guard that shoots less than 40% from the field, he becomes a liability more than an asset.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially, yeah, a shoot first guard um, that is, you know, a little bit undersized isn't exactly the most attractive thing to have on your team. I mean, for a second-round pick, or was he undrafted or a second-round pick? He was second. Yeah, for a second-round pick, they definitely got good returns on him. I think he started off in the G League, worked his way up into the rotation, 18 points per game last year. But, I mean, when you got LaMelo Ball, you got Rhodesier, you got guys coming up the pipeline. He might be the odd man out there in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Where do you see the ceiling for the Hornets this season? Do you see playoffs? Do you see play in tournament? Uh, where do you see them at?
0: Uh definitely play in tournament. Uh they could play the they can play themselves into the playoffs. Um the, the key to their development. Personally, I would have loved to see Kristen Wood as a Hornet or like Harry Giles. Um, you know, get her the development of big, give us a PT. I've just never been a, a fan of Bisma Biombo and uh Cody Zeller. Um, they just need to go young to go along with the young core that they have. So now they're um putting PJ Washington at center. They're putting um Miles Bridges at power forward. Um so guys playing out of their position. Um they'll be able to get in the play-in game because they have enough offensive firepower, but a key def- you know, making a key defensive stop. Um the Interior just is is severely lacking, and that may be their Achilles heel, which hopefully they will address um, either during free agency next year or via the draft.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think better days are ahead in Charlotte. I mean, two years ago, this team looked like they had no hope for anything. (laughs) They were five years from being five years away, and then all of a sudden they've got hope in Charlotte to at least – Make a playoff push this year. Maybe next year there'll be a kind of a lock for that 8-7 seed range. And then you're also a fan of the Bulls as well. Big topic for the Bulls that I want to get into. They're kind of middling this season. I mean, I don't expect too much out of them this season unless, you know, a team can always get hot and things change. But Zach Levine is the big topic in Chicago right now. Do you think the Bulls should explore trading him, getting the most that he that they can for him right now, while he's averaging career highs, looking really good, uh, but the team's not doing so well. Or do you think they should stay the course with him as the number one option?
0: So uh, I think they will eventually explore trade packages for Levine. They need more depth. They need more help. I am not sold on a Markkanen, Wendell Carter Jr. front court. Um, they're okay. Mark Kanan, he's, I mean, he's a great shooter, uh, face up for, but very inefficient shooting, uh, doesn't provide much in terms of defense. I'm not sure if you can build around him. I'm not sure you can build around Wendell Carter Jr. as well because he's, I mean, the the skinny on Wendell Carter Jr. was that he was a young Al Horford. He looks more like old Al Horford right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of building a front court around them. I mean Patrick Williams has been very nice for Chicago. Um, a guy who I think he's gonna be that Swiss Army knife, a good three and D guy, maybe a future, you know, Jeremy Grant.
1: Yeah, kind of what they were hoping to get out of Otto Porter, who's kind of a lost cause now there in yeah. in Chicago. We'll see. I mean, there's always time. He's still relatively young, but Auto Porter is a huge contract that they might look to buy out at some point or they might look to move in the uh, trade market. And then also Atlanta Hawks, you're a fan of them as you live in Atlanta now as well. So you're kind of paying attention with your boots on the ground there in Atlanta. I can't get a read on this team. Tell me what's going <laughs> on with the Hawks. What's going on with Trey Young? I looked at a box score maybe as a week ago. I didn't watch the game live, but I looked at the end and he had four points, four points from Trey Young. And then all of a sudden, the next game, he's got like 35 again. So I don't know what's going on in Atlanta.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, look, this this has been something that I have followed religiously. So let's get to the root of it. John Collins called out Trey Young um, after the first of the year. um, Complaining about how many times Trey Young is shooting, especially early in the shot clock. Because Trey Young likes to gun. He likes to shoot those 27, 28 foot long threes, which when they go in is great. But when they don't go in, it's bad, real
1: bad. That's an ugly shot that'll make a coach's hair turn gray. Yeah. Even Lloyd Pierce, who has no hair.
0: Right. <laughs> so, what John Collins expressed is the opportunity just to move the ball around to get better shots. Also to get himself some shots as well, since he's a restricted free agent. He wants his money. And I wish the Hawks went ahead and gave him his money, but I think he's in a situation where he's gonna have to bet on himself. I think uh statistically, um he's playing well, he just needs more touches. So um and then with him and Trey Young, and then with Capella, they have great um pick and roll, pick and pop options. Um, which I would love Atlanta to keep, Um, but so like like you said with the box score, yeah, he scored four points one game because he's like, all right, all right, I'm just going to pass the ball. I'm not going to shoot as much. And then, look, the key to the Hawks is Trey Young. When he's on, the Hawks are dangerous. When he's off and not scoring, then the Hawks can become very predictable. Now, they have more help around them this year with uh, Gallinari, uh, Bogdanovic, um, Rondo, uh, Chris Dunn, um, Kevin Herter, and, you know, Cam Reddish. They're, you know, playing better. DeAndre Hunter scored 33 points last night in a 129-115 Hawks loss last night. But, you know, their young guys are getting better. Trey Young, Trey um, Young. It's it's just going to take time. They've added a lot of new guys. It's going to take time to understand um, the spots that um, players, his teammates need to be, where to find him um, to get better looks. And I think as his teammates get better looks, it'll also provide him with better looks. So I think that the comments that John Collins made were very valid. Um, But as the best player in the face of the franchise, you have to make sure that you don't alienate your teammates. You have to find a way to be a leader to step up um, because the team is counting on you. And I think Trey Young has been absolutely great for Atlanta. We've been starving for a star since Dominique Wilkins and Spudwell.
1: Yeah, I got to bring it up, though. How better? How much better would you feel as a Hawks fan if you didn't make that Luka Doncic Trey Young trade right about now? If you had Luka with that team that he has around him right now—John Collins, Hunter, Reddish—you know Capella and Luka running the point—how much better would you feel?
0: Uh, I would definitely feel better. Number one, but number two, um, hey, let let's be real here. Atlanta isn't a big international NBA market. You know, as much as Dallas, so um, it it served its purpose in the deal um, to get Luka to be the next Dirk in Dallas, um, and then to get Trey Young. That kind of fits into that young, hip type of culture. I mean, look, Quavo me, goes like he was all about Trey Young, and Mm -hmm. he called it. um, He called that pick day before the draft. Now we, we definitely would be better with. Luca. Um, but would Atlanta like from like pure basketball heads we would have accepted Luca with open arms, but I don't know about you know the rest of the Atlanta market. I, I I I really don't know.
1: Yeah, that is a good point. Um I think it worked out, you know, pretty well for both teams and there's still a lot to be said here. You know, they're both super young, so who knows? Trey Young could end up with three rings and Luka only gets one or Luka gets none. You just never know with these things. They can turn on a dime. What do you think – this is the big question for me with the Hawks. Do you think Trey Young has potential to be that number one guy on a championship-level team?
0: He has some growing up to do. Um, If I'm him, I'm watching everything Steph Curry is doing from how he trains in the offseason – how he becomes a leader if he takes if he takes heed to that information, Trey Young could put himself in that conversation as the number one guy, you know, leading a team deep into the playoffs. Don't don't study Chris Paul, he won't he won't he won't get you there. <laughs> but um, following Steph Curry, I mean, you you look at Steph Curry. The first couple of years in the league, he had ankle issues, but you know, he had found a great trainer, you know, trained, that, trained those ankles right in the offseason, worked on his shot, worked on his dribbling. Look, the same thing could happen to Trey Young. So if I'm Trey Young, get in contact with Stephen Curry's trainer, get him right.
1: Yeah, that's interesting that you brought up Steph Curly Curry's early years there. Um, people forget You know, he had a lot of potential. He was an exciting player, but Monte Ellis was kind of the, you know, go-to scorer in Golden State those first couple of Steph Curry years. It took him three or four years to get his feet under him, and then all of a sudden when it became his team, you know, we know what happened. He exploded. Changed the NBA, honestly. I mean, Mm -hmm. guys are taking threes that they would have never taken before. Um, Stretch fours, you know, are... He didn't invent the stretch four, but he made taking three pointers cool. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got high school prospects who should be probably in the paint in the nineties. All of a sudden are behind the three point line. They're shooting threes. Guys like I'm gonna mention a burnout here, but Thon Maker, everybody was really into Thon Maker (laughs) because he you know, he was a seven footer that could shoot threes. Bull Bull's another one. Who knows? Maybe Bull Bull will be something someday, but you know, he's a big man who could play on the outside as well. So, you know, Steph Curry changed the NBA. Trey Young's probably a little bit of a product of that, shooting threes from right. 40 feet.
0: But, you know, like, the difference, like, with, with Thon Maker, Thon Maker didn't have any handles. So when you force him to dribble, he doesn't have the body strength. So, he, you know, his ability to shoot is basically null and void. You know, like, you, when you look at bowl, bowl play, the boy can handle the rock. But... I mean, he's only 205 pounds on a good day.
1: Soaking what?
0: Exactly. And, you know, I would I would love Denver to play him more. I don't know what the big issue is in Denver. Um, I've drafted Bald Bo on all eight of my fantasy basketball leagues thinking, oh, snap, I got to be a sleeper. And now he's 0.4 points a game, 0.3 rebounds a game. I'm like, oh, i wasted a roster the spot on him.
1: Yeah, you never know with guys like that. It could be just a Marvin Bagley type situation where he gets drafted to a team. You know, they're really high on him. They have high hopes for him to bring him along slowly. Then all of a sudden, they, they just get in their own heads. He doesn't get the playing time, and he might just need a change of scenery eventually. But we'll definitely see with Bulbul, Marvin Bagley as well. See where they end up. They have all the talent in the world. Look, Bobo in Chicago— it it could be. He's a bit he's a big man that can handle the rock, uh get you probably a few more rebounds there as well. So, mm-hmm. he would definitely be a good fit there. So, that pretty much I mean that I hit it all, I think. I think we hit it all today. The whole league, we got the business, we got the Hawks, we got the Bulls, Zach levine the Hornets, uh Gordon Hayward just hit a game-winning shot the other night. Uh anything else you want to talk about before I let you go here?
0: Man, look, it has been it's been such a pleasure uh Definitely love a copy of the recording. Um, I definitely want to do this some more. Um, I love connecting with people in the halftime community. Uh, I mean, you definitely have the best uh, username of everybody. I mean, meta World Peace Pipe, man.
1: Some man. people don't get it, but I mean, <laughs> Some people don't even know who meta World Peace Pipe is these days.
0: I mean, you, you have know to teach it, these kids. You know, it's changed his name to uh, Meta Samford like Artest of uh, Meta Sanford. I forgot what it is because he got married last year. So yeah. he took part of his wife's name.
1: Yeah, he, he's a interesting character to say the <laughs> least. So I'm just uh, trying to follow in his footsteps a little bit, take some of his shine off of him. But, yeah, if you don't know about Meta World Peace slash Ron Artest, um, if you don't know about the Malice at the Palace, go YouTube it, kids. It's, it's all there for you to check out. Um. Do you have – I'm going to ask you. I didn't prep you for this, but do you have a hot take before you leave here? It could be this season. It could be something from the past, a player, a coach.
0: All right. I'm going to give you a hot take on the Brooklyn Nets. They won't make it to the finals this year. Degas said they have big depth issues. Uh, They're one injury away. Um, I think KD is their most important uh, player, um, he's he's gonna get even better shots with Harden being there. But they don't defend. I mean, you look at Kyrie's first game when they uh, went to Cleveland. It was you know Kyrie tribute night. Colin Sexton in Kyrie's um, scoring, wearing Kyrie's old jersey, scoring more points than Kyrie. Uh, that's bad. Okay, you got shown up on your tribute night, and then you lose two days later against the
1: same team. Yeah, the Cavs have it out for the Nets, I'd say. That's definitely for sure. Uh, That'd be an interesting, if it ends up playing out, interesting first-round playoff series there, I think.
0: Yeah, um, I would put all my money on the Cavs in that series. Um, I just just don't see Brooklyn making it. I mean, I – I would go for a team like Philadelphia. I mean, they're a more complete team. Uh, Doc Rivers is there, but Doc Rivers can't be up three games to one. He he has to seal the deal.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Doc Rivers, change of scenery, seems to have turned it around there in Philadelphia, fixed some of the little things that were wrong there, so we'll see. Uh, Napoleon, I thank you for your time. This has been great. We went a little bit longer than usual, which is actually a good thing. The conversation's just flowing. We could sit here all day, I'm sure. But I'll go ahead and let you go, get some lunch in you, and uh, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it, Mitch. All right, see ya. Hey, have a good one.
2: Here's Hayward, clean look, top of the key, guarded by Fournier. Gordon gets inside. Today I'm going to talk to you about a son, a husband, and a father of three beautiful young ladies who shared him with us for the better part of 20 years. A man each and every one of us knew like a brother or a cousin, even if we never actually met him. A man who came into our home, stole our collective hearts, and love him or hate him, we all watched him. We knew not what to expect that first time he walked onto the hardwood. But what ensued was a journey that not only dared us to compare him to a man of rarefied air, but changed the way we looked at the game of basketball. He was the coldest of the cold-blooded killers. In fact, I have stated repeatedly that he stood out above the others because whereas they would all walk into a room, shoot everybody dead and walk out, this cat went into that same room shoot everyone dead, walk out, then return a few minutes later to shoot everybody one more time just to make sure they were dead. He enjoyed it. It is who he was. That's the street he lived on. And that's just what he did. But just as swiftly as he would walk into that room and take all of the air out of it while seething with that satisfied Mamba look on his face. He was gone. He was tragically taken away from us. There was no warning, there was no answer. All that we were left with were questions. How, why, what happened? One year later, not only are there still questions, but the hurt remains and it feels like it happened yesterday. Many of his teammates and friends cannot bear to talk about it. And while I am neither of the aforementioned I too am not ready to talk about it at length. Admittedly, I turn away if I see him on television, and although I recorded the memorial, I've yet to watch it because maybe, just maybe, we're all living that same dream. He will come out of a tunnel somewhere laughing at all of us for falling for the joke. Alas, it isn't a joke, it is reality. There are stats to remember. But there is no debate about where he ranks. Remember his talent. Remember his passion. Remember his drive. Remember his game. Remember the last second shots. Remember the dunks. Remember the moments. Remember life can be taken from us in a second. Remember to live each day like it is your last because you will never have another one Just like that one. Remember everything that matters to you and chase it with every last breath and don't let up until you have it. Hold it. Smell it. Feel it. Let it become one with you. Never let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do. Remember to make your own path and control your own destiny. Remember you can be whatever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. Remember we all have a fire within us and you are the only one who can put it out. Remember hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Remember who you are. Remember. Priority. Poise. Passion. Kobe Bean Bryant was a man amongst boys and a legend on the court. In death, he became a giant. Remember him today. Remember him tomorrow. Remember him forever. This is Reggie Lewis, thirty-five, y'all, and that's your halftime speech. Peace. Let's check. Bryant for three. Go.
1: The Lakers down
2: one will Kobe give them one last gamer Bryant on the move with the jumper he oh got it. My. 58 points and the Lakers lead
1: all once again for joining me on episode five of the halftime community podcast i hope you enjoyed if you did click that subscribe button great review and then unsubscribe, subscribe resubscribe unsubscribe resubscribe great review again it really helps and i thank you all for all the support you've been giving me if you want to be featured just let me know hit me up on the app um, you can find me on there at meta world peace pipe just let me know you're looking to be on the podcast i'm always looking for new guests And before I let you go, I'm going to give you all a break from the GOAT discussion this week. Uh, We really got into it. We added John Wall to the list, added Bradley Beal to the list. Could Jarrett Allen be added to that list? I don't know. Time will tell. We will see. I will get into some of that discussion next week. But I did want to bring you all a special feature this week I had from one of the members of our community who I invited to be on the podcast. He went out of his way to send me a kind email, so I'm going to read that to you right now. And it goes a little something like this, and I quote, Now that I have played your game and made you feel important, let's now face reality. You don't have any input on anyone's podcast, but that's one way of duckling, not ducking, duckling, out of a discussion where your drawers are getting lit up like a Christmas tree. Change drawers and have a good day. Thank you all for the support. I'll see you on episode 6.